You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 60. This episode's topic, Operation Cross Country. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And one of those key components, Sandy, in studying the issues is knowing what's going on and knowing what's happening in the news. And we actually have a pretty timely episode this week to talk about a major operation that's just happened in the last few days. Well, and, you know, when you think about what you can accomplish in 72 hours, I mean, really, what have you done in 72 hours, Dave? In the last 72 hours? Yeah. Well, we finally got our garage cleaned, which we've been meaning to do for a (laughs) long, long time. And I feel like that was a major accomplishment in our lives. And I went on a trip, went to a conference. You did. And you got a a fabulous award, which we should say something about, actually. That's right. And a, a big shout out to Christians for Biblical Equality for recognizing the work that we're doing at the Global Center for Women and Justice. And they did. They gave me a really nice award. That's awesome. It's a great organization. Bonnie and I have been members for many, many years, and they've been wonderful supporters of the center. So, And, and Sandy was recognized with this amazing award uh, this past weekend. So congratulations to you, you, Sandy. It's- well, while I was doing that, the FBI was launching Operation Cross Country 7. Ah. So this is the seventh operation where they have done a national scoop of children who are commercially sexually exploited. So let's look at this, what happened in the last 72 hours and do it by the numbers. Okay, great. Okay. And I know nothing about this, Sandy. Perfect. Literally, uh, Sandy came into the studio here, put down all of the FBI briefing information, and I've I had heard nothing about it other than I think I saw a link on our web on our Facebook page maybe earlier today that something had happened. So, wow. so this will be news for me, and I'm excited to learn more. And I'm I'm excited to kind of figure out what we're learning with the trends because this is number seven, and we started the FBI started doing this in 2003, ten years ago. Okay, ten years ago, and I think there is a sense. Uh, among a lot of people that this is a brand new issue. This is something that our law enforcement hasn't been up to speed on, but it is an old issue and we have been addressing it. In 10 years, they're getting better and better and better at doing this. So they launched um, the Innocence Loss National Initiative in 2003, and this is the seventh really big operation. Mm. Now, what happened is in those 72 hours, children, 105 children, were recovered from commercial sexual exploitation. So let's look at that first number, 105 children. They didn't say girls. They said children. And I Mm. think this is an important distinction because in the past, a lot of our 
reports and news and media have all focused on girls, but they used this more neutral term, children, because the reality is little boys are also being commercially sexually exploited, and they deserve our attention and our understanding about what are the root causes. How did they get there? You know, the report says that the youngest in this recovery rescue was 13 years old. Mm. So we want to understand how did 105 children fall into the hands of people that would exploit them? And that means we have to look back and, and figure out how they got there. Were they, were they runaways? Were they um, what some people call throwaways? And you can go back and listen to some of our other podcasts for some of the issues that make kids vulnerable and why they're so easy to lure because of their developmental stage. Their brains aren't done, literally. We talk about that. And so they're much more vulnerable when someone offers them a wonderful opportunity and they they, they are much more um, susceptible to that and gullible. So 105 children who were being victimized through commercial sexual exploitation were recovered. And Sandy, are these kids that were all around the country, just in the U.S., globally? What What's the scope of the... The scope of this, um, the, the operation took place and they rescued children in 76 cities across the nation. Mm. And if you go to the FBI um, press release website, you'll get a list of what cities were um, part of that. And actually the list shows you the location of the FBI divisions nationwide that led this um, recovery process, and there are 47. So some of those um, on that list are where the division is located, not actually where they actually recovered the children, but in that region. Got it. So for instance, you're from, you're from Illinois, so yes. Chicago is on that list. Um, Los Angeles is on that list. So uh, Los Angeles is where our local Orange County FBI people work out of. So if it was in um, here in Costa Mesa by Vanguard, it would be listed under the Los Angeles. Got it. So a pretty wide-ranging uh, operation. And, and the wonderful part about this is, is this kind of operation requires partnership and collaboration. So according to the press release, they had 230 separate agencies who participated. Wow, that takes a impressive. lot of, of collaboration and syncing everything. Um, when you think about rescuing 105 children, you have to think beyond um, a bunch of guys um, and women with guns and Kevlar vests rushing in to rescue kids. What you also have to think about is who's going to take care of that child that you just rescued? How are you going to provide services? And that that's an entire another set of agencies that have to be present when those kids are rescued so that they are well cared for, that they are safe, and they are secure. And you know that a lot of these kids come with a lot of issues. It's not just take them to a safe place, but take them to a place where they're going to get the kind of aftercare that they really need. Right. They may have um, health issues, sexually transmitted diseases, substance abuse issues, all those things that are part of it. So those 230 agencies include the whole package. That's really critical to successful recovery. The other number in here that's really important, uh, 
150 pimps were arrested on state and federal charges. 150 pimps. Now, again, they used the term pimps, and most people, when you say that word, they kind of have an image in their minds, and Mm -hmm. that stereotypical pimp, no matter what what that person looks like, is usually male. But our experience in commercial sexual exploitation and sex trafficking in the United States is that many times the pimp is female. So when we look at 150 pimps being arrested, we're not saying just um, men. And the, the other aspect of this as well is we have to start thinking about who, who the pimps are and why are they there? Why did they choose to get involved in this as a business? Because we know this is about supply and demand. What kind of factors were involved in their choice, if you will, those are air quotes for everybody listening, of, of making this their occupation? And what can we be doing to deter um, the next generation of pimps? Because we take 150 pimps off the street and and then there are other pimps that just step in and sure. take their place. Sandy, this may be a little off topic, but I am curious. Is there any evidence that uh, that traffickers use that that gender bias to their advantage, and that women are more likely to either take advantage of that, or or trafficking organizations are more likely to front women? Because the assumption may be that they are not involved in trafficking or pimping? Well, certainly in the recruiting phase, um, what the literature has shown from experience is that the um, they'll send young women in to recruit at a school or in an after-school program, even in a, in a, um, a shelter, a group home, because they won't be as suspect suspect for being recruiters. Mm, and obviously if a, if a guy came around and was handing out gifts or making small conversation, the supervisors would very quickly put an end to that, but they're not as alert when it's other girls. So we've learned a lot about how that recruiting process can happen and, and that pimps don't always look like the stereotype. And we have talked about this on the show before, but it, it's, it's worth mentioning again that it is although that's well known in circles uh, that you and I are familiar with Sandy and law enforcement, the average person probably wouldn't think about that and think about those gender stereotypes that a lot of us have both good and bad on, on in different ways and in different parts of our society. And so it's a really important thing to be considering when we're thinking about human trafficking and educating ourselves about it. And can you imagine if you're the law enforcement team going in to recover kids and there's um, other uh, young women in the room and you assume that they're victims and then you find out they're not. So you can't just assume every um, youthful appearing young woman is a victim. You have to find out what the whole story is. And that takes process, due process, which again, we want to always remind people that we want to work with law enforcement. We don't want to go do our own vigilante investigation and recovery. We work with them. And then we'll have really successful results. If you uh, look a little further down in this press release, you'll discover that in that 10 years, um, they have now recovered more than 2,700 children. Wow. And this is the part that I'm excited about. The investigations 
and subsequent convictions are 1,350. That means 1,350 convictions have resulted in sentences, including 10 life terms. And we have already a history of seizures of more than 3.1 million in assets. So this is going to step up. We're going to see more of this. It's, it, the numbers are going to grow. And as, as we see this happening, we'll, we'll go back and address this over and over again, because commercial sexual exploitation of children is an issue that is capturing the hearts of men and women in our country, and everybody wants to figure out what they can do for it. So if we look back at those 105 children, we have to start asking ourselves how they got there. And what kind of prevention strategies or early intervention strategies could we have been a part of? Did we have to wait until it took 47 FBI divisions and 230 separate agencies to go out and rescue them? That's the part that's, uh, you know, very kind of bittersweet about this, Sandy, is that it's it's wonderful that there's been such a huge effort this past weekend to, mm-hmm. to intervene in all these situations and 105 children being being rescued is is an amazing accomplishment, and it also uh, reminds us that here's another 105 children that have been caught in this that we didn't know about a week ago, and it and it does make us think, wow, what you know, it's so much like you mentioned just earlier, you know, so much work need, yet will need to be done now with the children that have been a part of this to really rescue and restore them to be survivors, and so how. You know, what can we do to prevent this from ever getting to this point? And that's a big part, of course, what this show's always been about is what right. can we do to prevent? That's these why I love the fact that too. when we started this podcast, it's ending human trafficking, exactly. not stop it, not um, fight it, but we are here for the long haul process. Absolutely. Ending. Absolutely. And prevention is so important in that. You know, the um, uh, as we as we look at this just a little bit more, I, I don't want to leave the numbers yet. I want to talk about the cities that are represented here. And even though these are just the divisions, it's not the actual cities where the arrests were made. Um, we sometimes have this idea, Dave, that this is happening in big, bad places like New York or San Francisco or Los Angeles. But um, the cities are in across the nation, 76 cities in Atlanta, Georgia, and Baltimore, and Birmingham, and Boston, and Charlotte, and Chicago, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbia, Dallas, Denver, Detroit. Now, one of the biggest, the biggest um, recoveries was in Detroit, and they recovered 10 children and arrested 18 pimps. Mm. 18. El Paso, Houston, Jackson, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Knoxville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Louisville, Memphis, Miami, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Newark, New Haven, New Orleans, New York City, though, has zero. You see our stereotypes? They're not always quite right. Interesting. Zero there. Oklahoma City. And, just, and of course, we don't mean to imply that there's not trafficking oh no, issues no. in New York, just yeah. in this particular operation that, that didn't uncover any. And, and look at this. Oklahoma City. I mean, Oklahoma, really? They arrested 13 pimps mm. in Oklahoma City. 
And the list goes on. Philadelphia and Phoenix and Pittsburgh. They arrested two pimps while I was in Pittsburgh. You know, Sandy, one of the things that this list, I mean, this it's nationwide. And so one of the things that this list really reminds me of, and you opened my eyes to this when you we first met years ago and we learned about human trafficking, Bonnie and I, that this is everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certainly places where it may be more prevalent than others, depending on demographics and and you know environment and community. But it it is it is in many, 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 many places, if not most places in the US to some extent and certainly around the world. And so uh, the the belief that some of us have that it's not in my community or it's not in my area, this is a problem in another neighborhood, in another community, is just not true. And we just have to learn how to begin to see things that we haven't been aware of before, have eyes to see, look beneath the surface. That's the um, HHS campaign that we've talked about so many times. But it looks a little different with our own kids Our teachers need to be um, prepared to identify early and intervene. Um, Our our child welfare folks, um, people in mental health, there are a lot of people that are part of our community that every day they come in contact with kids who could become vulnerable to this kind of exploitation. So um, further on in the press release, when they start talking about how this happens, how they do the investigation, um, they looked at how they target truck stops, casinos, street tracks, websites that advertise dating or escort services. And they talked about how they're partnering with the U.S. Attorney's Office and the U.S. Department of Justice Child Exploitation and Obscenity Section. So when I saw that, it reminded me, and we posted it on our our Global Center for Women and Justice Facebook page, and we always post the latest news. So if you haven't gone to our Facebook page and you want to be able to see when things are happening, go there and like that, and then you'll get an alert, I think. Isn't that how it works? Yeah, notification. Okay. So, so here's what happened last week. Last week, the 47 or maybe it's 49 attorneys general of the United States, that means the leading um, law enforcement person in each state, signed a joint letter that they sent to Congress directly addressing the Communications Decency Act of 1996. And they want to see that changed. And their big, their big ask in this, the undersigned attorneys general respectfully requests that U.S. Congress amend the CDA so that it restores to state and local authorities their traditional jurisdiction to investigate and prosecute those who promote prostitution and endanger our children. And the, um, the actual, the actual, um, words in that they want to see um, amended would state nothing in this section shall be construed to impair the enforcement of section 223 or 231 of this title, chapter 71 relating to obscenity or 110 relating to sexual exploitation of children of title 18 or any other federal or state criminal statute. That sounds a little complicated. Is it is it that that's a federal issue now and that states aren't allowed to touch that 
Sandy, or is it, what's the reason for the request? Here's what's happened. It is, it's kind of ironic that the CD8, because it was intended to protect children from indecent material on the internet, is now used to shield um, the, those who profit from prostitution and crimes against children. And according to this letter, it says, federal courts have broadly interpreted the immunity provided by CDA, and recently the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Washington held that the CDA preempts state criminal law. So here's an example of what happens. An online advertising of child prostitution went unchecked sex traffickers were able to do their business um, on the internet. So um, when this happens then, and actually we know this is true because we've talked um, and had conversations with local law enforcement here. They actually are able to use some of those internet websites to track and find where the the Um, commercial sexual exploitation of children is happening. So uh, an example here in the letter that the attorneys general submitted to Congress says, on March 28th, Miami police arrested a man for advertising the sex services. It's hard for me to read this. For advertising the sex services of a 13-year-old girl on Backpage.com. The perpetrator had tattooed his name across the girl's eyelids, marking her as his property. Two months earlier, two men were arrested in Fairfax County, Virginia, for prostituting four minors on Backpage. And on April 10th, four males and one female were arrested in St. Paul, Minnesota, for running a a prostitution ring of eight girls and women ages 15 to 40. And they were all being advertised on the internet. So these just offer a little sample of the kind of sex trafficking that is happening right here in the U.S. on our internet. And so how does this law address that, Sandy, or the proposed change to this that they're asking Congress to do? That's the part I'm not clear on. Well, this particular change would move the front line of the battle to the state and local law enforcement. So is the argument, presumably, there's more resources to do local control versus waiting for federal authorities to And we clearly have demonstrated that here in California because we we passed with uh, a very large margin, Prop 35, in November. I think it was 83% unheard of um, for our child sex trafficking um, work. So there is a lot of of support for this kind of effort. And and one other question, um, forgive me for my ignorance, Sandy, what is Backpage? I've heard that oh, term before in a couple episodes. You know, and Backpage is just one of many. Um, it, it, is a, it is a place where um, you can look things up, not just commercial sex um, acts, but particularly they have an erotic section where people can go to find local um, advertisements. And and the the perpetrators are are very very clever. Many times they have strategies where they only put an ad up for just a few seconds, so it can't be captured by law enforcement. Mm. But um, certain, but they're somehow their clients know how to follow through on this. And and you know, a couple of years ago there was a big move, and and Craigslist removed 
those erotic section ads. And that was a big campaign. A lot of people signed that letter from NGOs, and we were a part of all of that. Um, but they just moved to another another internet website. So there's there are two different arguments. One is, well, they're just going to move, so why keep doing this? Um, we, we just keep fighting. We just keep trying. And there's actually cases where kids have been recruited on um, social media websites, which is why we do internet safety. Kids have been recruited, and now they're being sold on social media websites like um, and I'm, I don't want to use the names of them because I don't think that's really fair to those those businesses to do that. Um, and hopefully we're we're getting better at identifying when those kinds of ads pop up. Yeah. And we we work with we and you all know National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has been working with the FBI Innocence Lost. Um, campaign for years and and they've developed software to look for kids who are missing kids who nobody knows where they are and so the software crawls through literally that's what they they call it crawl mm-hmm. yeah crawlers. crawls through the websites looking for using facial recognition software looking for kids whose faces used to be just on a poster at the mail mail room or on a milk carton now if those kids' faces are anywhere on the internet, posted on someone's social media website or in an, an ad for being sold for escort or dating services, then they're going to be identified and that will send up a red flag and the FBI will go and investigate. Hmm. Amazing. And do, do they recover children that way these Absolutely. days? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Incredible. And this, this FBI innocence lost um, uh, cross-country initiative this last 72 hours involved a lot of partnership um, through those kinds of internet strategies. Fascinating. Gosh, I've learned a ton just listening to this this particular situation, this operation, Sandy, today. I, I hope our audience has as well. What do you want us to remember about this operation and what are the larger lessons for us in thinking about how we can contribute to ending human trafficking? I think I want people to remember these numbers. I want them to remember that the report says 76 cities. That tells me, Dave, it's happening everywhere. 76 cities. I meet people all the time who says, oh, no, this is the city where it's worse. So if you really want to go do something, you have to go there. It's happening in our own backyard. You don't have to leave. You can be doing something right now, right here. We had another case in Orange County just in the last few weeks that was oh, absolutely. national news absolutely. right in our backyards here yeah we'll do a we'll do a podcast about that yeah. it's a, it's labor trafficking and and then the number 105 children remember they didn't say 105 girls they said 105 children i want us to be thinking about little boys as well and then the third number to remember so 76 what cities 76 cities 105 children and 150 Pimps. Pimps, yeah. And we don't want to just know, oh, yeah, we got 150 off the street. We want to know, how did they decide to go into this business? How did they become part of a machine that exploits a child's innocence and youth and literally robs them of that future? And what can then we do as people who care about the children and everyone else who's caught up in this global phenomenon to prevent it 
in well, the future. I think we have to be do exactly what we do here, study the issues, be a voice, make a difference. So the first thing, if this is your first time to hear about this, you need to go back and listen to um, some of the other podcasts on commercial sexual exploitation of children. And on the show notes, we'll put some links to maybe three of the best ones that would get you up to speed more quickly. Secondly, you know, study the issues, be a voice, become an advocate, um, make sure that the, the local after school program leaders have had training on how to identify at risk and vulnerable um, children who are in their programs. Um, but make sure that you're advocating for your child welfare um, agencies to receive training. I love, I tell people all the time, Virginia passed a law that every school teacher gets two hours of training to be able to identify kids who would be at risk. So that's mm. prevention and early intervention. Advocate at your school. You may never run into a situation. It just may never, you know, it may not happen in, in your particular neighborhood, but helping increase the awareness of our schools, our child welfare, our after-school programs. These are really, really critical. We can be an advocate and then make a difference. You may be a volunteer so that you can serve as a CASA volunteer, and that's a court-appointed special advocate. You may be the difference in a child being at risk or um, getting everything they need so that they can go on to a successful future, even though they were in a vulnerable situation. And, and if those things are things that are on your heart, I would encourage you to take the first step in beginning to investigate that. And if you don't know that first step, uh, a great first step is to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. We can direct you, uh, if not be helpful ourselves, we can certainly direct you in who to talk with, where to go, where to find more resources. And Sandy, I, I would also challenge our audience, and, and I want to thank a couple of our audience members, uh, you can make a difference immediately with with only taking two or three minutes. And one way to do that is to go online and to leave a review for this show. And the reason that's important is not because, um, you know, I mean, we like reading reviews, of course, of the show. It's great. But really, the reason we ask uh, you to go online and to leave us a review is because, um, and Sandy, I produce a couple of podcasts. When, when there are more reviews for a show, it gets picked up more in the search rankings. It shows oh. up more in people's um, search results when they're looking for information online. And we hope this show has been a resource to you and we'd like it to be a resource for many others. And then once people do find it in their search results, especially on something like iTunes, um, if there's reviews about the show, people are much more likely to subscribe and listen. And the mm. more that we can engage more people in this audience to grow our audience and have more people who understand these issues and can be a voice and make a difference. Uh, you know, that is, that's huge. That's huge. And it only takes you about two to three minutes to do it. And, and Sandy, I want to thank two people who okay. have who've taken one of our past challenges to do that. Uh, I want to thank both of them our screen names. So I want to thank uh, the the person that goes by Garden Gal 274 and also the person that goes by Mellow Beans. Uh, both of those folks went on iTunes and wrote just wonderful reviews for the show. And I want to thank both of you for doing that. Uh, we, we so appreciate that. And more importantly, like we said, we that helps us to really get traction online for more people to find the show as a resource. So if that's something that you would like to do to help uh, out this show and help us get the word out, uh, go to iTunes. If you're on iTunes, just search for Ending Human Trafficking and you will come up with us and you can just uh, you can hit the rating button there. Just take a minute to write us a review. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, if you are using one of the other networks, just about all of them have a way to leave some type of feedback. If you're on Stitcher, you can 
uh, hit the button for us as a favorite, and that way you'll continue to get shows. You can leave a review there. Uh, just about all the directories you use, however you download the show, even if you're just on our website listening, uh, you can leave a comment there as well. That's always a wonderful way to uh, just help more people find the show, Sandy. That's and, good. And That's speaking good. of growing uh, the influence yeah, of the center, have, we have an exciting have, uh, and milestone coming up for, exactly. for us as too. You know, FBI, they started 10 years ago, the cross country. Well, the Global Center for Women and Justice with their um, first women's studies program at Vanguard University started in 2003. Yeah, so 10 we're years. 10 years old. It's exciting. Fall semester is going to start in another month. And and so we're going to have a birthday party, Dave. Awesome. So go to gcwj.vanguard.edu, like our page, sign up for our newsletter, and check in on what's happening for our anniversary celebration. We're going to start with a screening of Girl Rising. Oh, it's fabulous. It'll make you cry, Dave. Can't mm. wait for you to see it. We'll start with that on September 19th. On the 20th, we're going to have an old-fashioned big birthday party at Vanguard. Oh, cool. Cake and ice cream, uh, the whole works. Awesome. Um, And then on the 21st, we will celebrate um, more precious than diamonds with a luncheon at Balboa Bay Club. We want our community to understand how much we appreciate them and to learn what we're doing and how we want to continue to grow and partner so if you'd like to attend that, you can sign on to find out more information. Want to sponsor a table and bring your friends? You can do that too. So if you're in Southern California and uh, or if you're visiting Southern California in September 2013 here, again, this is September 19th, 20th, 21st, 2013, and would like to join us for the celebration, we would love to have you as a part of uh, the celebration of the center. And by the way, I should mention, Sandy, anytime you run into either of us or see us at an event, please do come up and uh, introduce yourselves. We love meeting and talking with listeners of the show. And so uh, check us out at gcwj.vanguard.edu. That's always the best place to find information. And of course, that stands for the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University. Sandy, I really appreciate uh, you stopping by again today and, and getting to learn even more about this operation. It's it's a step forward and a long conversation. And I was thinking, as you were saying, that the title, Ending Human Trafficking, I'd love it if we didn't have to do this show someday. Oh, that'd be great. Wouldn't that be All great? Right. I don't Good. know what we would do with our time. We'd maybe we'll go to the beach something or something. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll hey. still go to the beach someday, but uh, hey, we'd, we'd love to have that happen someday and we're working toward it. So uh, please uh, stay connected with us. And if we can be helpful to you further, send us an email, gcwj at vanguard.edu, or you can reach us by phone anytime, 714-966-6360. Sandy, see you in two weeks. Thanks.